good evening, Hampton Roads, Northern North Carolina, and internet listeners everywhere. Welcome to tonight's episode of Marriage and Family Clinic. You're tuned into WGPL 1350 on your AM dial. I am your host, Bishop Hodges. Welcome to this broadcast where we break down and discuss the dynamics of marriage and family relationships. God designed and instituted marriage and the family to build our society on. Unfortunately, sin entered the picture, became the source of all hurt, pain, and tragedy, disillusionment. Sin actually warped God's original design. The mission of Marriage and Family Clinic is to restore, build, strengthen, and perfect marriage and family relationships. Welcome again to WGPL 1350 on your AM dial in Hampton Roads. Or you can also find us at www.christianbroadcastingcompany.com on the internet. Welcome aboard this evening. You know, a couple of weekends ago, my wife and I, we traveled to Jacksonville, Florida and celebrated my brother and his wife's 40th anniversary. And then on this past weekend, we went to Jacksonville, North Carolina and celebrated the 30th anniversary of a couple of very, very, very special people who were members of our church and ministered with us in Japan for several years. And I'm simply saying that I don't care how many marriages are splitting up and no matter how bad statistics paint the picture of marriage and no matter how many people no longer believe in marriage, there are still a whole lot of old fashioned people in the world who still believe that marriage is a bond that God has put together and no man should put asunder. There's still a whole lot of old-fashioned people in the world that believe that marriage is a bond that should not be broken until death do us part. Amen. And just wanted to put that plug in and say happy anniversary to my brother Byron and Frozine. And a very special happy anniversary to Melvin and Vani. Keep on loving one another. Keep on living the life. Keep on doing the do. And may God bless you real good. Tonight I'm starting a series on finances in the marriage and the family. Uh, we're going to talk about your money here for a few weeks. Now, as usual, I reserve the right to preempt my stated subject series and do another subject if I feel uh, so led. So we just may do that, but uh, I look forward to getting into this series on finances in the marriage and the family. Uh, we're going to deal with husbands and wives. We're going to deal with families, uh, children and mamas and daddies and their children. We're going to find a way to deal with extended family members and, and you and your finances and, and adult children and you and your finances. Uh, one way or another, we're going to speak to it all at one time or another during this series so uh, i really encourage you to stay tuned uh start getting your your uh email questions together start getting those issues together send to me so that we can get ready to address them so we're going to start tonight this series on finances and marriages and family and i want to start the first series tonight dealing with your relationship with your money that's right your relationship with money you know, of all the important major relationships we enter in into our life, we very seldom get practice in any of them. Whether it's our marriages or, or whether it's parents and children or 
or even if it's our money. These are all important relationships that uh, we're going to spend most of our lives engaged in. Yet we spend the least amount of time preparing for them. And for these important relationships, uh, our marriages, our families, and our money, for these important relationships, most of our experience in these relationships comes through trial and error. And truth be told, for so many of us, it seems like everything we try results in error. So why do I say that we have a relationship with our money? <clears throat> Can you really have a relationship with your money? Or is this just some attempt to wow you with some fancy sounding rhetoric or or something like that. No, I'm not trying to wow you with fancy rhetoric. I'm not trying to trick you or bamboozle you or anything like that. This is not an attempt to be fantastic or mesmerizing or mind-blowing. I'm telling you that we have relationships with our money. And, and, and so why then can I say that? Uh, well, money is always on our minds. Am I right about it? Uh, we feel strong passion for money. And most everything we do in life, money comes with us. Money accompanies us. This strong passion, money is always on our mind. If I ask the question of the listening audience right now, how much of us have too much money? Nobody will raise their hand. If I ask the question, how many, how many of us could use some more money? Guaranteed every single one of us will raise our hand. Uh, you're concerned about whether or not you have money for retirement. You're concerned about whether or not you have money for your kids to go to college, money to pay medical bills. You're concerned of whether or not you'll have money for the down payment of the house. You're concerned whether or not you have money to pay for the house, even if you have a down payment for the house. Can you make the mortgage? Money is always on our minds. And every one of us, is, if we'll be truthful, will state and confirm that we do have a pretty strong passion for money. Uh, so even Ecclesiastes 10 and 19 says from the Message Bible, laughter and bread go together and wine gives sparkle to life, but it's money that makes the world go round. Yeah, that's from the Message Bible and some of you may recognize it better from the King James Version, which says money answereth all things. You know, you cannot count the number of issues that come up in your life that money is the answer to. Almost every issue that comes up in life, money is the answer. And I'm stressing it this way because I, I don't want anybody to get the idea that I'm calling money a bad thing. I'm not calling money a bad thing. Money is essential to life. It's just a necessary part of a living and you can't function without it. And so look at your life. You cannot count all of the issues that come up in your life that money is the answer to, multitude. Money answers so many of life's issues. Money is the answer. Money answers so many of life's issues that we form this strong dependence on money. And you'll form a strong relationship with anything or anybody who meets most of your needs. If, if there's a thing or if there's a person that meets so many of your needs, you go to bed and there's a need that they meet. 
you wake up in the morning and there's a need that they meet. Anything or anybody that meets so many needs, you're going to form a strong relationship with them. As a matter of fact, that's one thing that attracts us to others. They meet our needs. What do you love about a person? He or she meets my needs. Why do you keep doing that? It meets my needs. Why do you go there? It meets my needs. Why are you so strongly attracted to money? Simply put, it meets my needs. And so whether you realize it or not, you have a strong relationship with money, number one, because money has met so many of your needs for so long. You have come to know and rely on money because of what it's capable of. And whether you feel a strong passion for it or not, you know good and well you need money. And you have an idea of what you can accomplish in life if you have enough money. As a matter of fact, again, you can take any characteristic of your relationship with any other human and you can substitute human for money. You can place that characteristic on your relationship with your money and you'll still have an accurate definition and an accurate uh, 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 description of what you're going through and end that relationship. You can talk about the feelings you get from being in a close relationship with another human and you'll also discover that you find your relationship with money gives you some strong feelings also. Uh, uh, but here's the difference. If you don't face the truth about money, you'll form too strong of a relationship and you'll crash and burn, you'll crash and hit the wall and find out that money cannot truly meet the needs of your heart. True enough, money meets an untold number of needs. But when it comes to the holes in your heart, when it comes to the voids in your soul, when it comes to soul hurt and soul pain, when it comes to internal needs, money can't touch it. You know, so many of us determine our personal worth by the amount of money that we have. We determine our personal value by the amount uh, of material things that we have amassed and we have accumulated. But never forget, your life is not the sum total of the things you own. Because when the rubber meets the road, if you don't have anyone to share your money with, or if you don't have a person or a cause to sow your money into, you'll find yourself with plenty of emptiness on your inside. So be careful not to fall into the trap of spending money you don't have to buy things you don't need in order to impress people you don't like. I heard that somewhere and it's actually anonymous, but it's so true. How much money do you spend trying to maintain an image? How much money do you spend that you don't have to appear to be a certain way before people whom obviously don't respect you and you don't respect them? You're just trying to meet the image. Don't fall into that trap. And if you don't have the right respect for money, if you don't establish the appropriate, the proper, the balanced relationship with money, it's okay to have a strong relationship with money, but if that relationship is not in balance, you're going to fall into some serious traps that it's going to take a world to get out of.
Let's face it. Seems like the people in the world with the most money enjoy life the most. Some people are so close to their money and their money buys them so many things that they believe money can buy happiness. Listen to some of the things said by some of the richest men the country has ever known. Rockefeller said, I have made many millions, but they have brought me no happiness. Vanderbilt says, the care of $200 million is enough to kill anyone. There is no pleasure in it. John Jacob Astor said, I am the most miserable man on earth. Henry Ford, you know him to be the inventor of the automobile, says, I was happier when doing a mechanic's job. Andrew Carnegie says, millionaires seldom smile. I'm telling you, if you don't establish the proper balance in your relationship with money, you'll get busy chasing dollar bills. And even if you chase down and capture millions and millions and millions of dollar bills, if you don't have the right mental, psychological, emotional time with your money, you're going to be a miserable individual. Yes. We have relationships with our money. Hey, just a reminder here. You're listening to Marriage and Family Clinic right here at 1350 AM WGPL. Uh, uh, you can find us at www.christianbroadcastingcompany.com also. We're starting tonight this series on money in marriages and families, how that money impacts those relationships. I want to hear from you. Email me at cdhodges at hotmail.com. Inbox me on Facebook. You can find me at Bishop Carl Hodges. Let me know you're listening to us. Let me know we're saying something to you. Let me know you're hearing us because we definitely want to hear from you. We need to hear from you. So get on those computers and let us hear from you. All right. Welcome aboard. Hey, let's get back into this now. So all of those men who are noted to be some of the richest men the United States of America has ever known. As a matter of fact, when you talk about Rockefeller, Vanderbilt, Henry Ford, Carnegie, uh, all these guys are given credit for building America. Uh, these guys have, have made so much money out of the United States of America and sunk so much money back into the United States of America. They're given credit for building America. Yet they all came to the conclusion that money cannot bring you happiness. So don't think that your life will turn around and, and it'll be all better and hunky-dory and life will be a bed of roses if you can just get enough money. Because no matter how much money you get, you're still going to have to live with you. You can have billions and billions of dollars, but when you look in the mirror, guess who's going to be staring back at you? You're going to be staring back at you. So don't think that money can buy you happiness. Money cannot fill the void in your heart. All right? So there's a saying that goes, he who dies with the most toys wins. And, and I kind of figured that must be one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life. He who dies with the most toys wins. Who in their right mind sets out as a life goal to die with the most toys? When you obviously can't take any of them with you. He who dies with the most toys 
simply dies with the most toys. And even though you have the most toys, you can yet be the most miserable. Uh, George Horace Lorimer. I have, I have no clue who George Horace Lorimer is, but he said a good quote. He said, it's good to have money and the things money can buy, but it's good too to check up once in a while and make sure you haven't lost the things money can't buy. So if you want a balanced relationship between you and your money, you make sure that you're prospering in the things that money cannot buy. And one of the most important things that money cannot buy is peace of mind. Another one of the most important things that money cannot buy is close relationships. So make sure that you're prospering in those areas also. So I don't know who that gentleman is, but he hit the nail on the head with that quote. Never forget the words of Jesus also. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Or what good would it do to get everything you want and lose the real you? How much does your soul cost? When we're talking about your mind, your emotions, your peace, your integrity, who you really truly are at the core of your being, what dollar amount can you put on that? How do you buy that back when we sacrifice it through lying, cheating, and stealing? How much does your soul cost? What amount would be required to buy it back if you lost it? So then this is a challenge to live for what's truly important. And the thing that's truly important, again, peace of mind, peace in your heart, sharing life with others, close relationship with others. Money is not the most important thing. Songwriter says, I never saw a U-Haul hooked behind a hearse. You can't take it with you. In spite of all of the trying of the Egyptian pharaohs who buried their riches in the pyramids and the tombs with them, we dig up those tombs today, we find the riches, but only full of dead man bones. They're gone on to wherever it is they went to, but their possessions are still here. You know, when we look at the ills of the world and when we look at crime, especially in the United States of America, you can probably trace it back to dollars. It's all about money. Politics, business, the dollar is the bottom line of it all. And this is why 1 Timothy 6 and 10 says that the love of money is the root of all evil. And you need to get this straight right here. Money is not evil. Money is not the root of all evil. People's strong, uncontrolled passion for money, that's the root of all evil. The evil is in the heart and the mind of humans. Money is simply a bunch of pieces of colored paper lying around. I'm trying my best to make the case this evening that we have relationships with our money. And more importantly, if we don't get a, a great, a good balance in that relationship, if we don't have the right psychological, mental, emotional, and spiritual approach to our relationship with our money, we're going to be miserable human beings. 
We have relationships with our money and like any other relationship with humans, successful navigation and having a fruitful, fulfilling relationship will require a whole lot of emotional control and maturity. If you're going to handle your money and not allow your money to handle you, if you're going to have money and not allow money to have you, you're going to have to grow in emotional control and maturity. Like every other aspect of relationships, you've got to be aware of yourself. you got to grow up. With our money even, if we're going to be successful, you got to have this emotional control, this emotional emotional maturity, excuse me. So don't underestimate the mental component to money success. Money success requires a certain mindset. I read somewhere that success in money is 90% mental and 10% behavior. And this is why many people who win a lot of money in lotteries, they go broke. Because you can't take people who have had next to nothing and then give them what seems to be the whole world. They've never been financially independent. They've never been financially well off. You can't take them and all of a sudden throw a lot of money on them. They've never owned or possessed a significant amount of money. They don't have the mindset to handle a lot of money. They don't have the emotional, mental maturity to handle a lot of money. All they're going to do is blow it, get in trouble, throw it away. And some smart people are smart enough to realize when they win millions and millions and millions in the lottery, I don't have the mindset to it. So they end up giving most of it away and just keep what they can handle. Isn't that something? Don't, don't accumulate more money than you can handle. And contrary to what you think, you may not be able to handle all the money you dream of accumulating. You would be very smart to get in touch with your human personality before you go into your relationship with money. Before you increase and deepen your relationship with money, get in touch with your human personality style. Get in touch with your money personality style. Huh. Awesome. Get in touch with your money personality style. Again, I'm not painting a negative picture of money. Money is an inanimate object. Can't stress that enough. You can lay money, lay money on a table. It'll never move unless some other force moves it. It's an inanimate object. It's neither good nor bad. It's necessary. And you have to make sure you work on you in order to see money achieve its greatest good for you and for others. So as I said, you need to be aware of and grow and learn your human personality style. And you also need to learn and grow in your money personality style. If you're going to use your money, that's a good place to start. Your money personality. We find that there are five money personalities, basically. You know, personality is defined as the combination of characteristics or qualities that form a person's unique character. The combination of characteristics and qualities, outlook, inlook, overlook, around look, the combination of all of that that makes the individual the unique and distinct individual that they are, that's a personality. That being said, there is such a thing as a money personality. And that's the combination of characteristics, qualities, and practices, the feelings, the combination of all of this, the feelings that determine how you relate to money. 
And I want to go over these real quick and, and uh, 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 on tonight. And we may come back to them at some point in the future. But I want to talk about five uh, personality, financial personalities or money personalities real quick. First of all, there's the saver. And just in case we don't get to them all, there's the saver, the spender, the risk taker, the security seeker, and the flyer. First of all, there's the savers. Savers don't spend money impulsively. They look for deals. They make sure they can afford a thing before they go out and buy a thing. They, they, they don't shop on impulse. They don't just spend money all willy-nilly. They don't like credit. They don't like debt. They avoid credit. They avoid debt as much as possible. You know, my own personal philosophy is debt is not my friend. Debt is my enemy, you know, and, and they try to pay off their bills just as quickly as humanly possible. Those are the savers. They refuse to waste money. You won't find them flaunting money. You won't find them throwing money around. You won't find them trying to impress people by spending money. You won't find them trying to keep up with the Joneses. You won't find them engaging in money practices like that. They're going to find those good deals. They may have millions of dollars, but they'll still use a coupon. They're savers. All right. Are you a saver tonight? Pay off your bills as quickly as possible. There ought to be a level or a degree of savor in each and every one of us. I heard a wise man say, you know, where money is concerned is not how much you, it's not important how much you make. It's important how much you keep. So there ought to be a degree of savor in all of us. Next, there's the spender. Spenders are carefree with their money. They'll go to the club or to a restaurant, whatever. They'll buy a round of drinks for everybody. They'll pay for everybody's meal at the dinner table. They, their philosophy is eat, drink, and be merry. They don't care how much they spend. They don't care who they spend it on. They don't care where they spend it. They just want to spend. They look for a good reason to go out and spend. And most reasons are a good reason to go out and spend. They're not necessarily rich. They'll go to Walmart. They'll go to Kmart. They'll go to Dollar General just as long as they can spend. They feel good when they spend. They get a high from spending. They want to spend just carefree. They're not paying that much attention to the future. The future is no further than the finger in front of their nose. They're just carefree spenders. And you've got to really be careful if you find yourself being a carefree spender because you will easily start spending money you don't have. You will easily start going into debt, running up your credit. And it's so dangerous to run up your credit if you're in the habit of paying the minimum monthly amount due, you are in trouble financially. You have the wrong balance in your relationship with money. You are a spender and you're heading for a crash into a wall. You've got to get your money philosophy, get your relationship with money and balance, get it under control. All right. So that's the, the saver. We all ought to have a degree of saver in us. There's a spender, just carefree throwing it around. Then there's the risk taker. Risk takers want the rush of spending. They get high on spending. Uh, uh, spending money, not the money itself, but spending money. 
taking the risk on money. It's it's kind of like a drug, you know. It releases something in them. Uh, uh, did you ever look on, on TV and see cliff divers? They dive from 75-foot cliff, 100-foot cliffs, 200-foot cliffs. You know, it's about the rush and the thrill of the dive. They do it for the risk. Money risk takers are not even that concerned about the return on investment. They're just looking for the risk. They get a rush from reaching out there and following something new. If you tell them, I got this brand new investment, it's sure to make a lot of money. They're going to invest in it. They're going to give you some startup money just because they like the risk. They want the risk, not that concern about the return. A new idea will set them off. It may cause them everything, but the question they ask themselves is, did I get the rush? You better be careful if you're a risk taker. Doesn't pay off very much. Then there's the security seeker. Security seekers want to feel safe. They set up for the future. They don't risk much at all. It's just too unsafe. They buy a lot of life insurance, a lot of property insurance. They invest heavily into retirement. Their goal is safety and security. Their motto is the safer the better. And like we all ought to have a little degree or some degree of savor in us, we ought to have a lot of security seeker in us. You ought to be putting something up. That's always my advice to my couples, to young singles, to married people, to whomever where finances are concerned. You ought to be putting something up. And that's a down home way of saying you ought to be saving and investing. So the security seeker, they're more concerned about the future than right now. And that makes me think about what Dave Ramsey says all the time. And you're going to hear this again in the future also. Dave Ramsey always says, if you save like nobody else now, or excuse me, if you live like nobody else now, you can live like nobody else later. Put up now in your summer years so you can have some latitude and some, some room to live and have a good quality of life in your winter years. And the last money personality is the flyer. Flyers are kind of strange. Their personality is actually not about money. They think about money very little. They don't think about money uh, 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 or, 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 or at all. They, they really are not connected to money. They think about it very little. They don't feel uh, nothing for money. They just don't have a, a, an emotional attachment to money. They don't look to accumulate money. They're not anxious about money. Stock market can crash and it won't move them. They have no emotional attachment or response to money. And an emotional attachment or an emotional response to money is not a bad thing. Just remember, keep it in balance. People usually have at least two of these money personality types. One is dominant, one is recessive, one is primary, one is secondary. One really describes uh, 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 your, your dominance and your, your attitude towards money. Another describes you a little less in your attitude towards money. You ought to study this. Think about this. Give consideration to it and determine what your money personality style is.
You do well to study your habits. Pay, pay close attention to how you feel about money, how you act towards money. How do you feel when the bills arrive? How do you feel when you get paid? When you go to the store, what needs arise? How do you feel when you're making purchases in the grocery store, in the department store? What emotional changes do you go through when you receive or when you spend money? How do you feel? You need to ask yourselves those questions so you can work on balancing your money relationship. This type of exercise will help you discover your money personality, will help you discover your money style, will give you ammunition you need in order to gain control over your attitude towards money. And discovering your money personality will go a long, long, long way in helping you to become successful in your relationship with money. Because let's be honest now, every single one of us we want to experience success and fulfillment in our relationships with other humans be it our families our marriages our friends our co-workers church members whatever the case may be we want success and fulfillment in those relationships and i'm guaranteeing you that every single one of us we want success we want fulfillment also in our relationship with money so there you have it folks what I'm saying to you tonight is that every single one of us, we definitely have a relationship with our money. And get this now, don't get me wrong. That's not a bad thing. It's just a thing. Money is not good or bad. It's necessary. So get in touch with yourself. Learn yourself. Increase your self-awareness understand how you feel about money get control of your money instead of your money getting control of you remember it's not how much you make it's how much you keep and if you live like nobody else now you can live like nobody else later and you too can experience fulfillment in your money relationship Hey, listening, I'm just about out of time here, but I want to remind you that you're listening to 1350 WGPL. We're on your AM dial here in Hampton Roads, Virginia. You can also find us at www.christianbroadcastingcompany.com. You can find me at cdhodges at hotmail.com or look me up on Facebook. That's Bishop Carl Hodges. Listen, email me, inbox me. Let me know that you're listening. Don't just be fed. Don't just listen to us and never let us know. Participate with us. Let me know that you're listening to us. Let me know that we're giving you something that's good for you. Let me know if I'm wasting your time. Whatever is going on, whatever your reaction is, give me some response here. Let me know what's going on. All right. Hey, we're out of time. Appreciate you listening to us. Hey, uh, we're going to see you again same time next week. Just remember until then, you can't have peace without surrendering your life to the Prince of Peace. See ya.